Welcome back to another episode of Two Quick Things. This is Shmina, your podcast host. And thanks for all the good feedback about last week's episode around hiring. I hope it helped some folks. If you know people who are about to be in a position of hiring or you find yourself eventually getting to that place, please listen, share, etc. So this week I said I was going to talk about supervision. So I've got three kind of main sections around supervision. One is the challenges or pitfalls of supervision and things that we sometimes don't pay attention to and think are, are not important but are super important. Um, the rewards of supervision and ways to improve as a supervisor or in your supervision role. So as usual, I'm going to jump right in because no time for um, shenanigans and games. So a few um, shout out to some of my friends who I have worked with in the past um, who are great professionals who gave me some of their thoughts on supervision, pitfalls, rewards, ways to improve. So shout out to y'all. You know who you are. So let's jump right into the challenges and pitfalls of supervision. So these are some of the things that when you are in a supervisory position that people don't generally teach you how to be a good supervisor, you learn by either being supervised poorly or being supervised well. So you can take every class you want, you can read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, but oftentimes until you are in a role where you are supervising people, you're not going to learn some of these things until you're actually in it. So some of it's a trial by fire, if you will, and that's okay. Um, part of the, the goal is for you to pay attention to those things and to hopefully not make the mistakes that were made with you or that you've made before. And we're not always going to be supervisors or in a supervisory position because, to be honest, some people aren't cut out to be supervisors. That doesn't make it bad or good, but some people, they're just not cut out to be uh, in supervisory or leadership roles. Because we, everybody can't be that. Um, so here's some pitfalls. Um, when supervisors are not able to name specific expectations um, or hold people, their employees accountable, that is one of the pitfalls. Because once you are in a position to not hold somebody accountable, you do it once or twice, then it's going to probably be more difficult to address those things in the future. So that's a pitfall of like thinking something is small at the beginning and not really working to address it until you're, I'm not going to say you're too late, but you're far down the road and it becomes um, more of a challenge to address it because your employee will likely will say, well, you didn't say anything the last time that this happened. So I didn't think it was a problem. So pitfall number one, uh, challenge of pitfall number two, Having a favorite and letting it show. I think we've all been in positions where we've had an employee that, you know, you're like, this is my employee. Maybe they were your hire and you like, ooh, I hired well for that one. Like, I smashed that one. Or they just, you just have like a symbiotic relationship where it just flows and they can anticipate needs in the right way. But the pitfall or challenge is letting it show that you have a favorite. You know what I mean? Um, the other the other uh, shadow side of that is that when you have a favorite and they act like they're your favorite out in public and you'd be like, if you don't sit down somewhere and be the favorite before you not be the favorite anymore. So I think we all pretend like we don't have a favorite and we treat everybody equal. That's um, a lie. And that's okay that we lie to ourselves like that. But we all generally have people that we enjoy supervising and we like um, sometimes we'll take those people under our wings and they will become our mentees. But the pitfall is having a favorite and letting it show and letting um, that kind of take over and not managing that relationship and what it looks like and uh, internally as well as externally. And sometimes you have to sit your, your favorite down and be like, look, 
We're going to make this work, but you can't be out here showing your ass for everybody else to see and trying to put me out there because you, you just as quickly as you rose to the top, you can fall right to the bottom. And that's no threat. That's just the reality of what could happen. So that's a challenge or a pitfall that I think, especially new supervisors run into because you're like, yeah, they're like me, or this is really working. So let me give them all the projects and all the things and people will notice and somebody will likely bring it to your attention, either very specifically and stated, or the behavior of your other employees will start to show that they know that this other person is a favorite. Um, a challenge or a pitfall. Uh, supervisors not reflecting on their own style um, and the, before they hire. So, and sometimes you learn what your style is as you go along and as you realize what you don't like about how you're doing or that you're not getting the results that you want. And some of this, again, it's, it's the trial by fire, so you have to learn. And I think so many people are quick to say, um, well, I am not a micromanager. Stop lying. Tell the truth. We are all at different points in times micromanagers. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it bad. That just makes it the truth. And sometimes we end up having to micromanage people because they require us to micromanage them. Some people are like, oh, I can work independently. But when I give you independence, you don't get doodly squat done. So why would I leave you out there? So I have to manage everything and get all up in your business until you can demonstrate for me that I don't have to be all up in your business. Because honestly, I'd rather not. I have my own tasks to do as well as managing these people. But you have demonstrated that you don't know how to manage tasks or your schedule or your time management skills are lacking. So reflect on your style, because I think we always say, like, I'm a really hands-off supervisor. But all of your employees are not hands-off supervisees. So we have to be willing to reflect that style and make that individual to each person that we're working with and stop pretending like one size fits all, because frankly, it doesn't. Um. Another challenge or pitfall, an inability to take or receive, uh, take slash receive feedback or give feedback with examples of laying out what the expectations are for the future. Um, I think that we can, it's hard to take feedback. So um, I think that's one of those situations when you move ego out of the way, and I think I'll talk about this a little bit later, you move ego out of the way to actually listen and to hear um, and receive the feedback as a gift um, because people don't have to give it to you. They could just talk mess about you behind your back and not give it to you. And even when you ask an employee, like, can we have, you know, can you give me some feedback on X, Y, and Z? We have to remember that we are signing or clocking off or approving their time. So their feedback is probably going to be stunted because they don't, they think that you're going to automatically retaliate against them. And there will some, be some supervisors that do that. So when you receive feedback, especially from someone that you are supervising, actually pay attention and listen to that. Be willing to be vulnerable and ask and poke and prod as appropriate to see like if they have examples of that and then see like what might work in the future with our supervision. What are you not getting from me? What could I be doing differently or better? Or what's a style that works for you? Um, so yeah, opening up that line of uh, giving and receiving feedback. Um, let's see, poorly onboarding. So challenge or pitfall, poorly onboarding new employees to workplace culture. Um, and culture is one of those kind of squishy things that you're like, what is it? I don't know what the workplace culture is. Um, for example, um, do we do birthday cards and do people sign them or do we, we don't do that. Like birthdays don't exist here. Or if I make a mess in the kitchen, am I supposed to clean it up? Because contrary to popular belief, people don't clean up after themselves without being told a lot of the times. 
Um, people will leave their like food scraps in the sink and go on about their day. Um, are we a place that uh, it's okay to eat in meetings or is it not okay to eat in meetings? Do people take phone calls in an open office space and they just talk out loud or do they reserve one of the conference rooms to do that? So when we assume that people will just acclimate to the culture, I think that's a pitfall that we end up having to clean up later. So we're, are we going to get everything right on the first time? Probably not, but it will behoove you to prepare your supervisees for the things that either you have learned or you have seen other people experience in terms of workplace culture. Um, and then as a, a pitfall as a supervisor, if I am a new supervisor to an organization or I'm new to supervision period, um, not um, asking questions about how decisions are made in this organization um, can be a pitfall. So if I'm out here thinking that I have the authority to make decisions and stand behind them, and really I need the signature or cosign of my next level supervisor or manager, it's going to be uncomfortable that first time that I make a decision. And I think I've, I may have made the right decision, but I didn't go through the right channels to do that. So make sure that you know what decision-making authority that you have and that you can pass on and can delegate. Cause that's some of those are not, you can't delegate some of those decisions. All right, so let's see. This is going to be a long episode, so thanks for your patience and thank you for continuing to listen. So some rewards of supervision. You you are literally shaping the next leadership in your department or in your field because you don't know who the next um, leader is going to be because sometimes people are diamonds in the rough. Sometimes they're already polished when we get them and our job is just to keep polishing and refining them and to helping them and or to learn from them. That's the point number two. Learning about yourself in this uh, on this journey of supervision will only help you to become a better supervisor and to become a better employee. Um, so being open and willing to learn as you go, you will, you will make mistakes. That is a guarantee. And you will hopefully get better. That's not the guarantee. But you have a say on what, what you improve in and what you don't. Um, supervision is also another opportunity to practice vulnerability and getting uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not great at this, but the times where I have taken calculated risks as a supervisor to give challenging feedback, um, to either give it to my supervisor, because sometimes that's necessary, or to give it to people who, have, who I supervise, I think it's an opportunity to see if I have the chops uh, to, to stand behind what I'm saying. And if I want to give feedback, but really the feedback is a little frivolous, it may be a one-off and I don't need to make a big deal of it. I just need to bring it to someone's attention. I think there's a power in learning how to do that in a way that people can hear you. Because when people can hear you, then that, that feedback is going to land differently on them. Um, let's see, another reward, strengthening my own, your own leadership skills for the better. So I think this requires a, self, a level of self-awareness that we don't always get um, when we have only been supervised. When you become a supervisor, you are on a platform and people are, sometimes people are looking to take you down and that's just what it's going to be, which is unfortunate. But I think it's a, another great opportunity to learn about yourself and to start to notice the things that you may be doing and how people are receiving what you're giving to them in supervision and make adjustments along the way. Typically, we should be getting better over time and not getting worse. Um, and another reward of supervision is retention. So typically solid or strong supervisors are excellent tools for reten retention of staff and employees. Um, 
there's like research, you know, the research says, I don't know who wrote the research, but it's out there um, that says when an employee leaves an organization is most often due to their supervisor or their boss rather than the work itself. Um, I wish I could insert the quote of who said that or where it came from, but it's the research girls. Um, so people do, they do get, you know, routinely get burned out by the work and the monotony of like doing the same thing over and over again. But there tends to be, um, that work tends to be more manageable when their supervisor is challenging them or they feel like they're being led well. They're being um, delegated opportunities. They're given a chance to have their voice actually heard. And so they stay because they see the value in being a part of a team and being led well. Um, so most people can go out and put a, a cog in a machine, if you will, and do that, that work over and over again. But when you have a supervisor who demonstrates an investment in the relationship, um, who is willing to give you a chance and expose you to different things and to different people, that's where the value is. Um, so again, that's one of the most excellent tools for retention is having strong supervision, um, supervisors and being um, in an environment where you feel nurtured and supported and people understand that you're a human being and will challenge you and support you all in the same breath. So the last section I have is around ways to improve as a supervisor. So this is some of the the, the work that you do that nobody knows that you're doing, um, but still has to get done to be a better supervisor. And it can be tough. So um, I don't want to pretend like it's easy to improve on your supervision because you're, you're practicing on actual human beings and you never really know how that's going to go. So I have a number of points that I'll cover. Um, I think one of the top ones is making relationships a core function of your role. Um, Like I said, when you are a supervisor, you are working with people and people have things that happen to them in the workplace, outside of the workplace that impact the work and how they show up to the work. Um, So valuing relationships makes, in my experience, it has made it easier for me to have challenging conversations because I know... I'm not on a I'm not on a, a super skinny tightrope when I'm having that conversation that may feel uncomfortable to have because I know we have the strength of a relationship as our foundation and as our base. Um, so prioritizing that and making that an ongoing um, value that I actually live and that people see that you are investing in them as a person. Um, let's see. Uh, be re- being resourceful. Read up on topics related to your industry. Invest in your own professional development. Find ways to get like the free development stuff. I always say as a supervisor, especially now that I'm in a role that's not in higher ed, I have to be a little bit more savvy about how I invest in myself. And so like I volunteer at conferences that are local to me or local enough to drive through, of course, with the support of my own supervisor. Um, Because oftentimes you can volunteer at a conference or a professional development thing for a few hours and get registration free for that day or for the whole experience. So be resourceful. You have probably worked with other people before. Reach out if you have questions. If you know that somebody is looking to get their business off the ground with presenting on a particular topic or skill set that your organization lacks in or needs, then Maybe try to hustle them to come in for a fee. Um, don't be trying to always get it for free, but have them try to come in for like a small honorarium to, you know, boost or enhance like the work that you're already doing. So be resourceful. Um, find ways to uh, uh, capitalize on things that are already in front of you and, and tools that you already have access to that people may not just be may just not be using. Um, 
Learn how to identify your go-to people and begin to delegate um, tasks to them, but then also promote their work. Um, it's people want to work for you when they know that you that you will be entrusting them with tasks and work. And if you don't, if you have somebody who doesn't rise to the occasion where you feel comfortable delegating to them, have that conversation with them and start to give them small things and feedback. Because if they never get something delegated to them, they are never going to learn what it feels like to be able to be trusted with something. And that challenges you as a supervisor to be able to navigate and mold and shape people into what you need them to be. Um, Seek out coaching or mentorship from those around you. Be curious and not greedy. I think it's easy to be like, tell me everything. But really, be curious about the things that you're seeing or um, ask about decisions that have been made that maybe you don't quite understand. And if you knew a little bit of the backstory as appropriate, um, you may find out like, oh, okay, I understand the thinking because I'm only seeing this from one very, you know, singular viewpoint. But be curious, ask. I have noticed that people love talking about themselves and you'll start to stand out as someone who's trying to learn and grow when you start to ask those questions, invest in relationships. Um, And so this is maybe as a supervisee, um, be curious about those and try to get an understanding of where people are, are going with some of their decisions. Um, a few more and then I'll hop to uh, my recommendations. Uh, be consistent. I don't know how else to say that as a supervisor, show up for people, be consistent, follow through, do what you say you're going to do, enhance and work on yourself. So you're not the same supervisor at the beginning of the year that you are at the end of the year. Hopefully you should be getting better as well in your specific task. If it's a technical task, but also how you engage with your employees. And then, the last one I will share, uh, or I guess maybe the last two, because I think it's important, understanding that you're working with human beings and that we all make mistakes. Um, there, there are certainly ways that each of us have to navigate in terms of being firm yet compassionate with the people around us who make mistakes, because I, I assume that we would expect that people are both firm and compassionate with us when we make mistakes and treat us as human beings. So remember that you're working with people. Um, and then the final way that I'll have, and these are, were obviously in no particular order, um, ways to improve as a supervisor is to remain trainable and curious. Um, I think I mentioned last week that we, we are going to be working with people, hopefully whose skill sets complement our own and be open to learning from the people that you supervise. They come in with the skill set because they are different than you. They are not a clone of you, most likely if you've hired well, but be trainable and curious. Ask them to teach you or to show you these things. People get really excited and jazzed when you are asking them to show them something that they are a quote unquote expert at. So that's just another way of showing people like, hey, I noticed this. This is I, this is great that you do this. Can you show me how? So hopefully those are some helpful tips, tools, techniques, things to be mindful of when it comes to supervision. All right. And finally, I'll leave you on a few notes uh, with regard to my podcast recommendations or YouTube. I don't know if this one YouTube, it was a show, but anywho. Um, so I just recently got turned on to this uh web show that's called The Next Question. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's one of the hosts is Austin Channing Brown, and she wrote the book, um, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Um, I mentioned that on a few podcasts, maybe early on, of a book that I had listened to. It's an audio book. 
it's a paperback book as well, but they had Renee Brown on. And when I tell you that it was such good conversation and it really sparked some good dialogue between wife and I, as we were, um, driving and could listen slash watch this, um, one of the, the, there's a few really deep quotes in there. And I don't even know if they're quotes, but they're just, they're truths, if you will. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. Let me just give this one. Uh, let's see. Why is it so hard to believe this, believe it, it being the stories of black women are true. Um, and the answer is pain. It's hard to believe because the stories are painful and no one wants to believe that anyone would have to endure um, the, the death by a thousand cuts that are, that are microaggressions and sometimes macroaggressions that exist for black women. Cause that's, that's the most, uh, uh, the, the space that I know the best as a black woman. So it was just good all around. So if you got a chance to check that out, do it. It's uh, like a, it's an actual show so you can watch them in conversation. I'm not sure if it's a podcast, but if I can find that, I will share that in the show notes. Um, I think I've got three or four more really good episodes this week. Uh, Therapy for Black Girls, episode 131, Living Well in Order to Die Well. And it was, there was a, um, a clinical social worker who works with, in hospice and primarily with, uh, folks of color, but she was saying she works with families as well who are going through their family member is getting ready to pass away, but they were just talking about the, the low age in which, um, black folks are now dying. And she says some of her hospice patients are between like black folks between 30 and 55. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That's unbelievable. But it's also a really good lesson and a reminder in terms of like living well in order to die well. So that was, that was really good. It was hard to listen to, to be honest, but it was also very good. Um, and then there's the EXO Nicole happy hour. Um, it's a new podcast. Um, but these women have been out here doing their thing for a while. It was episode three, credit karma, money, shame, and self-worth. It was, um, it's their third episode. It was really good. Um, I had a chance to, uh, meet one of them, Amher, at the My Taught You retreat, um, earlier this year and just a, a good energy and really good, honest conversation. So I just appreciated that fully. And then the last one that I have is um, the Add a Girl podcast with Meredith Solo. Um, it was part two of the Get Your Shit Together series. Um, it says it's episode 10. Um, it's just, it's a quick one, it's 10 minutes, but she's honest and authentic, and I really appreciate that. And she's, it's, this episode, she's talking about writing down goals and breaking those goals down into like tangible steps so you don't have this massive goal of like, I want to buy a house and then you have no timeline. You have no plan to save the money for the down payment or know how to, how to get to that point. Um, but breaking it down. So it was, it's just a, a quick, clean episode and, um, useful. So it kind of sparked some ideas and some ways to, um, for me to think about how I set up my goals and I'm a super goal oriented person. So that really helps a lot when I see or hear other people doing it. All right, so that is the end of the episode. I went a little long this week, but thanks for listening. Um, you can find me on social. Uh, let's just be honest. I'm on Instagram more. I don't even update the Facebook page, so let me stop living my own lie. Um, so you can find me on Instagram under two quick things. You're listening to the show. Obviously, you know where it is, but I'm on uh, the platforms where you can hear podcasts. Feel free to share, uh, slide in my DMs, comment, rate, review if you choose. Either way, I will see y'all next week. All right, thanks. Bye.